Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. You guys ready for the word today? You guys ready for church? Ah, it's always a good day to be in church. Would you bow your, bow your heads and let's just open up in prayer. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this just amazing opportunity that we get to be in your house, learning about you, stepping towards this relationship with you in just strength and power, God. We thank you that we never take it for granted to be in church but we continue to strive forward in your presence and everything that we do, God. We thank you that every single leader in in this city, in this country, in this world, God, just has your strength and your peace and your joy in their life, God. We thank you that they're continuing to lead this world and this country into your will, God, with God-given principles and the way that we can just enjoy life to the abundance the way that you created to. And for any, any of the leaders that are not doing that, God, we thank you that they will move aside and we can continue to elect even better ones that will just walk us straight into your perfect will. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen and amen. Yeah, give Jesus a hand. You know, there is a pursuit in life that can quickly become the root of the majority of your negative emotions, feelings, fear, worry, anxiety, whatever it happens in there. This this pursuit of this thing, I'll call it right now, it often is the massive contributor to a lot of the negative emotions that you feel in your life. To the point where the world that we live in right now has almost conditioned us subconsciously to go through this side of conditioning ourselves to pursue this because of what we see on the, in the media, what we see in different streaming platforms, what we see on social media, we don't even realize that we're actually striving for this. And I actually have a riddle that I want to read you guys that might help you identify what this is. This riddle says this, In the relentless realms of ideals I thrive, a mirage of flawlessness for which many strive. Yet beware my grasp, a deceptive reflection, for beneath my allure lies a rigid direction. Seek me and you'll find a maze, not a light, a pursuit that consumes, leaving no respite. Chasing me brings anguish, a never-ending race, a shadow that hides flaws, masking true grace. In my cold embrace, expectations soar high, only to shatter as failures multiply. A vision of excellence, a demanding creed, but beware for within me, contentment will recede. What am I? What am I? I'm not good at riddles, never have been. You could read many riddles to me, I'd be like, sweet. I'm going to try to pick apart that, but I can't. Okay, you know what the answer is? I'll be that good teacher that just says, the answer is the pursuit of perfection. The pursuit of perfection. I put a really obvious line in that riddle too, which I probably still wouldn't have grabbed onto, but the second line said, a mirage of flawlessness for which many strive. That's what I thought might give some direction in that. But the pursuit of perfection, the pursuit of 
Perfection. Maybe if I say it three more times, it'll really hit home. No, I'm just kidding. Perfection is one of those things that so many people strive for. Many people strive for it knowingly and many people strive for it unknowingly. This is where this social conditioning has happened in the world that we live in when it comes to perfection is that we see so many people that exude this confidence, this, this public perception that seems perfect. And it makes us feel like we need to strive for that in our world to the degree where we feel like if our life isn't perfect, we can't enjoy it. We can't enjoy, perf- we can't enjoy um, uh, anything with, within our life if, if it's not perfect. Any type of problems or failures or mistakes that we endure instantly make us feel like we're inadequate or we've failed or we're sitting in this mistake that we can't get over. It's this social conditioning, this comparison in the world that we live in. Even take church, for example. Everyone comes, most people try to put on their best clothes. They look all nice. They make sure that their hair is done. Some people, you know, it doesn't matter. And you walk the halls and you're trying to present something that you're proud of presenting to everyone. But for so many people, they, they compare themselves to this person walking down the hall as if they have it all together all the time. You see this people that just maybe has all the snacks for their kids already in their bag. It's all in beautiful Tupperware containers and all cut out of cucumber in different shapes and superheroes and, and a little dipping sauce right beside. You get where I'm getting at. It starts to show you and you start to compare. Well, I'm not like that. Oh my goodness. I could never be like, you start to compare yourself to so many people around where you start to realize that, man, if, if I ever would ever strive to be like that person, I would need to be perfect. And then it starts this vicious cycle of striving in areas of your life to be as perfect as possible. Why? Because you think that the more perfect you are, the more joy you will have. Maybe the less storms, the less hardships that you'll be in the middle of. See, the pursuit of perfection involves striving for flawlessness and an idealized self, but it's fueled by the belief that achieving it leads to happiness or joy. But the pursuit of perfection, the more that we look into it, you start to realize it creates an unrealistic expectation of always having a perfect life. When challenges arise, which they always will, when you're in the middle of storms, when you're in the middle of things that you don't know why or where or how to get through, you start this to realize that when you always think it needs to be perfect, some of these storms start to really get under your skin. They start to destroy you because you think that because you live a perfect life, you might not be able to know what to do going forward. You think if, if my life isn't perfect, if all the things are ideal, ideal, then I might step into this, this realm of people aren't going to think that I'm, that I'm leading, living the life that I want to live, this perfection that we strive for so much. See, the more that you strive for perfection, the more that you feel like you always need to be positive about absolutely everything is the more that you'll struggle with adversity the moment that life brings it. The moment that life brings something that's less than ideal, that's maybe not a part of your plan, you crumble. Why? Because we have this fake and unattainable destination of perfection in our lives. See, perfection, like I just said, is an unattainable destination. It is an unattainable destination, but don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. The Bible talks about us living the abundant life. It talks about how God has everything in this life so we could experience heaven 
on earth. We read it in John 10:10. 10, 10. It says the thief does not come ex- kill, uh, sorry, the thief the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. It says I have come that they may have life and and that they may have it more abundantly. See what many Christians think that a fulfilled life, an abundant life that we read about in the word of God means without struggle, with, without hardship, without storms, without failing, without mistakes. It means that you live the exact life that you expect to live, which couldn't be further from the truth. And it's that that starts us to pursue faith in a perfection mentality, which is the opposite of what Jesus came here to do. We start to think that our faith needs to be perfect. We could never experience doubt. That when we're praying, we can never be fearful. That when, when we're in the midst of God's presence, that we don't have this side of not knowing what to do or having that direction. So you need to understand that our faith will never be perfect. But the more that we strive for perfection in any area of our life, it starts to bleed into every other area of your life, including your faith. And the moment that this perfection mentality starts to bleed into your faith, you never think your faith is great enough to do anything miraculous, to do anything that can carry you through your life because it's not quite perfect. It ruins families, it ruins marriages, it ruins careers, it ruins your businesses, it ruins everything when you get stuck in this perfection mindset. Why? Because you will never attain perfection. Ever. Ever. You can try your best for the rest of your life and it'll never be perfect. Ever. Not ever. But you can try your best. And you'll actually be more happy when you start to to, to do your best in everything that you do. See, so many of us strive to have it all, to get to that destination where we believe that we can finally be joyful, where we can finally go, yes, this is where I'll be happiest. I finally got where I got where I wanted to be. I finally got into the career where I was gonna go. I finally make the amount of money that I always wanted to make. I finally got that cabin at the lake. I finally got that new car. I finally got that marriage I've been striving for my entire life. I finally get to where I'm going. But the beauty is, is I don't like quoting celebrities very often, but Jim Carrey said something a little while ago, years ago actually, and his quote was this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Isn't that amazing? Funny, because it's Jim Carrey. We, we all know the, the, movie, the movies and different things. Interesting though, why? Because he realizes he finally got to that point and it wasn't the answer. Imagine striving your entire life for this perfect life that you have in your mind and you finally get there and it doesn't fulfill it. Because it won't. It won't. And it's a scary thought. I'll never forget. I get stuck in this trap a lot too. When I, when I was dating my wife, Jessica, my now wife, Jessica, I was in this spot where I'm like, we're dating, we're enjoying dating. And now I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta like, I got to seal the deal. I got to, I got to buy the ring. You know, I got to get engaged. I got to get to this place. So now I'm saving up for the ring, trying to, trying to, to not let her know I have an inkling that this is coming down the pipe. And I'm, I'm just like figuring out where the best place is, what the best time is, where we, should we do it? How do I even get around to, to getting down on one knee and talk? And I'm, I'm planning it. And then finally the day comes where I propose to her and I propose. She says, yes, which is good. Didn't have to do it twice. I only did it once. That's good. Right? <laughs> 
I get down on one knee. She goes, and the second that we're engaged now, we're like, okay, what do we want our wedding to look like? Where are we going to do this? What, what are we going to do? And we start planning your wedding and you start to looking forward to the wedding. And then your wedding day comes and you're like, oh, sweet. The wedding day's here. You walk up the aisle, you get married, you do your vows, you go to the reception, you have a nice dinner and, and a couple fun, awkward dances in front of everyone while they watch you. And you're just like, ah, I don't know what to do here. It's fun, right? And then the second you're done, the, the married day you go on your honeymoon and you kind of enjoy that and then you get back and you're like, okay, well, let's move into our apartment. So you spend the time while you're engaged looking for what apartment that has the timeline of when you get married, when you can start living together after you get married and you're enjoying that. And then you move into this apartment. Second you get in the apartment, you're like, hey, like, should we start saving for a house? I think we should save for a house. So now you're enjoying this apartment, but now you're just looking forward to getting into that house. And then you might be in, in, in your apartment for a few years and then you finally find this house. You get possession day. You're looking forward to the possession day. You're figuring out what you're going to put in this house, what the furniture is going to look like, what this dream house might look like for where you're at. And then you finally move into your house. And then you're like, what renovations should we do? <laughs> and then you start saving for renovations. And then you start realizing that your money runs out a lot quicker than the renovations do. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. I had someone ask me a little while ago, how's your bathroom going? I'm like, it's on pause. And they're like, yeah, yeah, why? I'm like, because I ran out of money. <laughs> That's just how it works, okay? <laughs> this is where we get in. Why? Because we all strive for this perfect lifestyle, but the perfect lifestyle always changes the moment you get it. The second you step into what you thought was the perfect lifestyle, you now, you gradually look into an even higher spot that you want to get to now. Now, it's not bad to always strive to do better. It's not bad to live a better life, but it's bad to never enjoy the journey. So you have to enjoy the journey. See, for, for a while, yeah, give Jesus a hand. The beauty of it is that so many people focus on the destination. They focus on that car. They focus on that amount of money. They focus on that happy family. They focus on that amazing marriage. They focus on whatever it might be, not realizing that almost always it, the most fun part is the journey. We all know as Christians what our, our final destination is. Amen. We all know it, right? And that's an amazing thing. Heaven one day, eternity with our, our God the Father, which is absolutely phenomenal. But I have at least 120 years here. At least, right? And I don't want to live like hell here waiting for heaven. I don't want to. That means that we have to continue to strive to do our best in where we are, but also understanding that sometimes that means it involves just learning to dance in the rain. It means learning to pull your umbrella when the storm gets a little rough and knowing that you're still going to walk through and make it. See, the journey is what, like, when you, when, you, when you order something online, sometimes the anticipation of getting the package to your house is way more fun than actually unwrapping the package. You're like, ooh, which day is it now? Sometimes you don't get like the definitive shipping date, right? So you're like, oh, it's sometime between Monday and Friday this week. And you're looking at it you're like, this is gonna be awesome. And then it says, ooh, it's out for delivery. This is awesome. You are so in, in anticipation, ready for this package to, to, to arrive. And then it arrives and you're just like, wow, this is really cool. And then it like just gets tossed aside and you, and you have to figure out another way to order another package. And then you enjoy the anticipation of this next package arriving. It happens all the time. Why? It seems like the journey is just more enjoyable than the destination. It always seems that way in everything that we do all of the time. But for some reason, people still link the destination, the perfection to happiness and joy 
always, no matter what. Don't get me wrong, it's not bad driving that nice car you've always wanted. It's not bad having that cabin at the lake. It's not bad buying toys and enjoying it. That's not the bad part. It's the hard part is that your, your life takes on an entirely new meaning that you won't be happy with if all you ever do is strive for those things. Allow them to be a part of your journey. Allow them to make more memories and experiences with you and your family, but don't make that your goal. Make the every day you wake up the goal. If, if your day today has sucked up until now, don't just give up till tomorrow. Start making your day better today, okay? Enjoy it, you know what I'm talking about? I'm stepping on some people's toes and I'm not sorry. I was gonna say sorry, I say sorry too much. I'm not sorry because it's important that we understand that God wants you to live the most abundant life absolutely ever today. Not tomorrow, not next year. Well, yes, next year too, but starting today. That's where it needs to establish this. And this means that when we're walking through uncertainty and walking through storms and walking through hardships, that still is there. God's saying, I know life is not perfect. I know that how this all happened, man sinned and here we live in, in the life that we live in and there's hardships and there's uncertainty and there's places that we don't wanna go that we find ourselves in the middle of sometimes. But God is saying, if you just look to me and, and focus on taking me with you on your journey, you will never need a destination because the destination is solidified, heaven, period, right? But when you take God with you, oh my goodness, it means that the entire journey, I have more memories on trips sometimes about the road trip than I do on the trip. And it's great memories. Sometimes I enjoy those things more than I actually enjoy the destination. Now don't get me wrong, you can enjoy all of these different things, but we can't always make it our focal point. But for some reason, people always link perfection to happiness and joy, why? Well, I think that we live in a world right now where it's tough. You have media influence, whether it's social media, whether it's um, streaming platforms, whether it's the news, whatever it is, that always push this way of living that's perfect or ha is flawless or has these things that you, you want to enjoy with it. Social media, man, one of the best things, but one of the worst things at the same time. It, it forces you to compare yourself to an unattainable place that people have. It, every single person puts their best self on social media. No one goes, oh man, that, that picture is bad. Let's post that one. They don't do that. Everyone's trying to push what they look like. If, if you're a gym guy, it's like you want to post with your biggest swell, you know, with the most muscles showing. That's what you're posting. You're not posting the, the one that makes you look like you don't work out. If you're someone who likes to have their nice car, you're not going to post that nice car when it's all dirty. You're going to post it the second it comes out of the car wash. But everyone who sees it goes, his car is always clean. What the heck? right? It's like, no, it's not the case. It's not the case. We need to realize that, it's, that people, even on social media, put the, their, their forward their, not even their best self. I would almost say it's a fake self. Because you, and you start to compare yourself to that every single day, which leads you to strive more for perfection. Another thing that, of why I think people link this to, to joy, link perfection, sorry, to happiness and joy is instant gratification. We live in a world where we always want to be instantly gratified, always. We want to figure out what can we do to feel the best right now. And some people think perfection will, will, will do that. Seeking approval of others. We all get stuck in this trap, but sometimes like, why are we like, you have the guy that walks to the mall and puts his best shoes on. Who is he putting his best shoes on for? You ever realize that? If it's for himself, then great. Power to him. But if it's for the fact that he wants everyone to see his new shoes that are awesome, I mean, come on. The seeking the approval of others just leads to this, this striving and pursuit of perfection more than ever. And finally, the fear of failure. 
This fear of failure, the fear of failing causes us to pursue perfection more because we're scared of failing. Not realizing that perfection is unattainable, which means that when you pursue it, you will always fail. Vicious cycle. You pursue perfection, you will absolutely always end up in failure, no matter what. It's all about this journey that we talk about. And the worst thing is, is it starts to make its way into our faith where we think we need to have perfect faith for God to, to love us or to accept us. We need to think we need to have the perfect faith in order to experience this abundant life that God promises. That's not the case. You're going to have doubt. You're going to have times where you're praying to convince yourself of it. Because you're in a mindset where you're like, oh my gosh, I just need to pray. You're not believing what you're praying, but you just you have to pray over and over and over again to align your thoughts onto what God's word says. This is because we're all human. We all have times of this, but the, the moment that we start to reflect on the life of Jesus is the moment that we realize that we find a remarkable resonance in the life of, of Jesus when he embraced imperfections. See, my message is almost always, I wanna make sure that we get into this desire to learn about Jesus and how he walked the earth. If we learn about the G Jesus, the, the son of man, when he walked on, on, on this planet, when he, was, he bled like us, he had, he had temptation like us, he, he endured life the way that we did, he would have had hardships, he would have had storms, he would have had times where he felt like he didn't want to wake up in the morning. He would have had times of everything. He was human, period. And he walked the earth so amazingly in the time that he was here that he showed us how to live. And the way that he walked, we see a resonance with this side of Jesus that embraced imperfections. See, his teachings and actions didn't center on projecting an image of perfect ease. And I'm glad that it didn't. I'm glad that we don't look at Jesus like we look at social media and see just this perfect person at all times. We see this person that walked through life, tempted to the way that we were, but still chose to live the best life that he could. See, instead, Jesus embraced the imperfections in the human experience that he had. He associated with, society, with, with those in society that often deem imperfect acknowledging those struggles and pain. See, rather than avoiding difficulties, Jesus used them to demonstrate growth. He used difficulties to demonstrate compassion and profound lessons. So the more that we go through this, we, we read in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 to 13, it says, Now it happened, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means, he says. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Leave that verse up on the screen for now, for a little while here. Now, if we go into this verse right now, we see an insightful interaction between Jesus, tax collectors, sinners, and Pharisees. Now, the more that we see this, it's Jesus is depicted at sitting at a table in a house with a group of tax collectors and sinners, and they join him and his disciples. This scene immediately draws the attention of the Pharisees. If you don't know who the Pharisees are in the Bible, they are a very religious group. Um, they were known for their strict observance of, of the Jewish law. Like they were to the point, law, 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 we have to do what's right at all times. See, the Pharisees in this moment, you see in the, in the, in the verse, question the disciples about why Jesus 
a respected teacher and figure is associating with tax collectors and sinners. In the, in, that, in the society of that time, tax collectors were always known to be in collaboration with the oppressive uh, Roman authorities. Um, so it was always considered sinful to be a tax collector back then. The Pharisees question uh, carries an implied judgment of Jesus. They're like, why are you sitting with them? Why are, you, why are you doing what you got to do? Like, why are you going and sitting with tax collectors and sinners? Why would you ever do that? And in response, Jesus, in response to the Pharisees, Jesus speaks directly to them, which we see in the verse. He uses a metaphor to convey his purpose. It's, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Here, we see Jesus likens himself to a physician who treats the spiritually sick. He's saying that I'm going and sitting with them because someone has to help. Someone has to go in there and, and, and learn to speak to these people that don't know what it's like to follow me yet. Someone needs to understand how I want to go sit with someone who isn't experiencing abundant life and push them into experiencing this abundant life. See, then Jesus challenges the Pharisees by telling them to go learn what this means. And then he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus is referencing a verse in the Old Testament out of Hosea 6, verse 6, that highlights God's desire for genuine compassion and mercy over ritualistic sacrifices. Now, slow down for a second here. Jesus is saying, look, you guys are all about rituals and all about doing what you think you have to do. And my God, my Father, is about compassion and mercy. This is why I'm sitting with tax collectors. This is why I'm sitting with sinners, so to speak. It's because he's emphasizing the importance of showing compassion and mercy to those who need it most. How amazing is that? That's the God that we serve. And then he concludes by clarifying his mission. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's saying, my calling is to come and help all those that need me right now. Those that are righteous don't need me. They have Holy Spirit. They know which way to walk, but the other ones, they're figuring out what to do, where to go. I'm gonna go sit with them to make sure that they take on this new meaning of life. See, that the problem is that we see, uh, not the problem, we see so many cool things that we can learn from Jesus in the way that he walked his life and how we can, break free from this pursuit of perfection. Back in the day, I, I wanted to start a, a new hobby. And I, I, I was always interested in this knife making hobby. I was always interested in like, uh, yeah, you can watch these blacksmiths and stuff and it's amazing, but I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. that. That's like a, that's a career. You got to get good at that. It seems like, so I was like, no, I just want to start like taking a piece of metal, start the filing it down and just make a cool knife for myself. For probably a year and a half, I was looking on how to do this, what tools I need, how to, how to go about this. I was looking at all these YouTube different things about making your first knife. And I never started because every single video that I went to always showed this perfect knife at the end of this, your first knife. And they showed this thing where I was like, that's not a first knife. Like that, there's no way. And I would, this would never get me to the point where I actually wanted to go do it until finally one day I was like, this is stupid. I'm just going to go buy a couple tools that get me by and I'm just going to start grinding down metal and starting to just figure out how I can make a knife, okay? And so I went down this, this thing and learned all that I could. But the, the fact of the matter is that being perfect was paralyzing me into inaction, at all times. The striving to be perfect was always making me not do anything. And the second that you strive for perfection, you are now in a place where the devil can work through you, with you, and, and about you and your family because you now don't do anything. 
You're scared to move because it needs to be perfect. You're scared to start doing this because you don't feel good. And it's like, ah, I, I don't want to have a healthy lifestyle. I don't want to start working out. I don't want to start doing this because it's hard and I don't know how to do it. Just start somewhere. Oh, I want to start a new hobby. It's okay, sweet. Just pick up what you need and go fail a bunch. You know what I mean? Like you need to, you got to sit in those mistakes and failures and realize that that's why you're sitting where you are today. And everything that you're good at and wherever you are in your career or family or marriage, you're here because you failed and kept moving forward. You're not here because you always strive for perfection and chose to never move. It's hard, but the more that we, we, we talk about Jesus and we learn about Jesus, there's three points that I have to go through very quickly now. I always go off on rabbit trails in my messages, but here we are. So anyways, Jesus walked the earth in a way that we need to replicate. We need to watch what he did and everything that he did. And what we saw is we always saw action over perfection. Always saw action over perfection. I remember the day that I was asked by my dad, Pastor Leon, a few years ago to speak up on the stage. We were walking through a department store in Calgary. And I remember him asking me, and I knew the conversation was going towards something like that. He's like, so I want you to preach. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. Like, this is, this is no chance. I don't want to. He's like, no, I think you do a, a great job. Like, you should get up there. It, it, you, I, I, he just kept going that route with it. And I just said, well, I, I don't feel like I can. I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't feel like I can do this. And, and I don't know how he, got, he brought me from there to the, by the end of our conversation, us picking a date. So he, he, it was good. I don't know how it worked, but here we are. We picked January 26th, whatever year that was, like a, a few years back. And, and uh, the, the, the crazy thing is that I was terrified to stand up here in front of all of you. Terrified. I was nervous. I was like, if I'm not perfect, they're going to make fun of me. Like, I thought the stupidest things, I'm like, they're going to throw things at me at state. Like, you just start to go down this side where you're like, oh my goodness, right? But my dad saw something different in me that I didn't see in myself. See, that, and that's the crazy thing. And if I would have never stepped on the stage, I probably still would not be here in all the failings and all the mistakes and everything that we did up here. I still probably wouldn't be here. But because this, this side of not pursuing perfection, even though I wanted to, my dad said, no, 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 just get up there. Just go start speaking. Are you going to screw up? 100%. Are people going to like your messages? Sometimes, okay? <laughs> but that's okay because you do your best. You stand up here and you get better and better and better and better. Just like wherever you find yourself in, in your hobbies, in your career, in your family, action over perfection every day of our life. The second that we do perfection, it causes this vicious cycle where perfection, always striving for it, makes you inactive. First of all, you, you don't even step forward to go do what you need to do. And it causes you to just enter into this realm where you do nothing, you never get better at anything, and everything starts to just go down because you won't do it unless you feel like you're perfect at it. That's not where God wants us. He wants us into this virtuous cycle where you step out and you're like, sweet, I'm gonna step out once, I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna stand back up and keep going. And in one year, you'll find yourself so much further, even though you kind of failed your way there or mistaked your way there. Bad English, good point. Okay, it's just, that's where we get to this point where we had to realize action over perfection. We see this all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible. See when, I'm only gonna get through one point, so whatever. Um, I'll just might as well sit in it. <laughs> When Jesus in, in, in Matthew chapter 14, 13 to 14, he says this. 
To give perspective to this, John the Baptist was one of Jesus' great friends, and, he, and Jesus just found out that John the Baptist was beheaded in prison. And this is where this verse starts. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. So in the one moment where you find out that one of your best friends dies, Jesus separates himself from the multitude and goes, I need to be by myself. I'm guessing because there's some uncertainty in there. There are some hardships. There is, there is some doubt, I'm sure. He was, a, he was a human being. And he went off by himself. But then the next moment you see the multitude follow him. Obviously to help him grieve. To help him to love on him. And the next moment, you see, Jesus didn't stay in his grief. He didn't stay in that. He decided to turn around and go, I'm going to take an action step forward and heal their sick of this multitude of people that are here. And if Jesus would have never done that, we would have never seen the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 because it happened right after that. Right after that, he, he's like, we got to feed these people. We're in the desert. We're in the middle of nowhere. Let's feed them. And that's when they say, we only have this much food and it might feed a family. And he's like, that's okay. We're going to feed them. But that's also be all because of Jesus' action in the midst of his grief, in the midst of his burdens, in the midst of his, of his hardships, in the midst of his storm. He decided to take action in that moment. Why? Because taking action starts the cycle that only can lead to success. When you start to take action, you might fail, you might fall down, but you're going to stand back up because you have God with you. That's how it works. God's saying, hey, look, believe in me, Accept Jesus into your life and your destination is solidified. That's cool. Really cool. Heaven. Being with God forever. Then he says, now walk through earth and keep me with you at all times. And you'll live the abundant life. It's almost too simple for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> like legit. I'm like, that's way too simple. God's saying your journey is going to be amazing for sure. You're going to go through ups and downs. You're going to go through a time that you might not want to go through because life is life. It's not because God's testing you. Life is life. Adam sinned in the beginning of, this, of, 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 of time, which started this, this bout that we're in now where we have to endure death and endure all these things that we never wanted to do, but that wasn't God's plan for us. So God's saying, because this wasn't my plan, I'll walk with you. In fact, I'll leave Holy Spirit with you so you always have someone with you, no matter what. That's something that we need to understand. It's not about the destination. It's about just enjoying that journey of life, that journey of pursuing a relationship with Jesus. When we start to do that, we realize that you don't got to be perfect. You don't got to be perfect. You don't got to strive for perfection all of the time. Instead, you can just step into it and go, no. I can do, what, I can do what, whatever God's called me to do with who I am today, not tomorrow. You don't gotta, I always just say when we say we accept you for who you are, it springs away. So you don't have to take a bath before you take a shower. Just like you don't got to get your life right before you come to church. Just come. Just come. Learn. Grow. Make mistakes. Grow again. Make more mistakes. Grow some more make more mistakes. Like that's honestly what it feels like. It's like that, well, we can get to a place where it doesn't even matter. You can just step into this and realize that God doesn't need you to be perfect. Doesn't need your life and, 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 a, and the perfect moment to use you. He just needs you to step out in faith and action. That's it. The Bible says that without, without works, faith is dead. 
without action. You need action behind your faith. You believe it. Now step out and do it. Don't always wait for the, for the perfect thing to always go out and do it. Instead, just realize that you don't need to be perfect. Instead, you can strive and you can go, I can take action today, realizing this is going to lead to a way better life. Way better life. The importance of failure is important. There, there is an importance of failure. It's hard to say sometimes because everyone's like, well, I don't want to fail. It's like, but that's the only thing that's got you to where you are today is the fact that you may have failed and you handled it correctly. You just said, I'm going to stand back up. I'm going to do it. Look back at your life. Even this last week, I bet you there's probably three failings in my life this last week, if not more. But you learn from it and you start to grow and you start to take your life into a completely new era and new place where God wants you because you just always stay close to him at all times. I'm running out of time and I only got through one point, but... <laughs> I think that there's one thing that we, I just want to close with is stop always pursuing perfection, thinking that it's going to lead to joy because it won't. Solidify your life in Jesus so you know heaven is there. Done. Check mark. And then it says, then go about this greatest commandment in the, in the, in the Bible that we read saying, making disciples of all people and loving your God. Love God. Love people. It says, make disciples of all nations. That's what it is, which means that just go walk about your life with God, with that relationship, and realize that everyone you talk to with that air of, of Jesus in the middle of it, you, you're going to go through life and you're going to find, you'll, it, it, you'll end up right where you want to be, but probably didn't even plan to be there. But God was like, no, this is a good spot. I love, make your own plan. And God doesn't laugh at it, but he goes, I can make a better one. You can, you can keep close to God and you realize that your life doesn't need to be perfect. Enjoy the journey. Pull the umbrella out in the rain. Jump in the puddles. Back when I was a kid, I used to always ride my bike through all the big puddles during the rain. I don't know why. It was just hilarious. It was fun. I was like seven years old and I thought it was the best thing ever. Come back with hypothermia, but I loved it, okay? Why? It's this childlike faith that you can have when you're a kid to go, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it right now. You said we're going swimming. I don't care if there's thunderstorms. We're going swimming. That's what a, a kid thinks. And I love that. Obviously, we need to bring some, some safety in there, of course. But I love that. They're saying, I don't care how life is right now. Let's go have fun. God's with me at all times. And the, the same thing with, with a kid. They know that their parents are beside them and they're invincible in their own mind. But when you bring God with you everywhere, your journey becomes an unforgettable journey that every day something new happens, something new to smile about, something new to just have those memories within your life that you'll take with you forever. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every single week at church, we always take time to do what I just said. You can solidify eternity for yourself, which is great, but that's just step one. Then it's just bringing God with you in the journey of life and watching every situation you find yourself in take on an entirely new meaning. But some of you here right now have never accepted Jesus into your life. Eternity isn't something that's solidified. Your destination is not solidified with God as of right now. And you might think to yourself, and I want to bring God on this journey with me because life can suck sometimes, but we always know that with God, you can start to learn how to dance in the rain. You can start to learn how to jump in the big puddles and enjoy, get sopping wet and still walk back with a laugh on your face and a new memory logged in your mind which I think is so perfect. 
But if you're sitting here right now and you've never made the decision to accept Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity right now, right here, with no one looking around, every head bowed, just between me and you. If you want to accept Jesus into your life right now and solidify your destination of eternity and start this new walk with God beside you everywhere you go, I just want you to slip your hand out real quick and I'm going to accept you in that prayer. Just slip your hand up, look at me, and I'll accept you. Thank you. So good. Awesome. So good. Thank you. Thank you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. No one else looking around, just me and you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. This is not the end-all be-all. This is not the thing you need to make your life magically better, but it starts to have that destination solidified now, and then you can walk with Jesus every day of your life and starts to realize that the journey of life is worth living. It is when you have Jesus beside you. I'm gonna take one more quick look if I missed you. Just slip up your hand so I don't miss you again, and then we're gonna pray as a congregation. And it's gonna be awesome. Thank you. The prayer goes like this. Thank you. Everyone repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you. In your name, amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those amazing people that made that decision. So good. So good.